0: It's not difficult to hear from God. What is hard is disciplining ourselves to hear from God. People who cherish and treasure the Word of God and who are in the Word of God consistently hear God speak to them more often than those who don't.
1: Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lawrence. Ever said to yourself, I sure wish I could hear from God directly concerning this question or issue in my life. Well, I think we've all been there at some point, but is it possible to hear from God? Well, the answer is yes, but we have to understand what the Bible says about that. In fact, the Bible is the primary way God speaks to us today. Let's learn more about that. Crawford has served in Christian leadership for over 50 years, 15 of them as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. These weekly Living the Legacy messages come from his time at Fellowship. Now in retirement, Crawford heads the Christian mentoring ministry known as Beyond Our Generation. In a moment, Crawford will present the second part of his message, How to Hear from God, and here are some highlights from last week. Crawford warned us about making assumptions about God. He said that there's a difference between good ideas and God's will, and they're not always the same thing. We learned that God speaks to us through four primary avenues—His Word, through circumstances, through people He places around us, and through impressions. In today's message, Crawford will share eight indications related to how God speaks to us. But first, a bit more from last week about how God speaks to us existentially, or through His Spirit. Let's join him now, Crawford Loretz, here on Living a Legacy.
0: God does speak to us existentially. He does. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, that's the whole role of the Spirit of God, by the way, to guide us in life, that we're to be led by the Spirit, led in terms of the choices that we make, led in terms of the decisions that we make, led in terms of, should I be a senior pastor? That wasn't just mine to make, I had to be led Sure, he leads us. The Spirit of God leads us. Another example that is, I guess the Bible's replete with examples of that. Uh, Acts, Acts 8.26, and uh, 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 Philip, the Lord led Philip to go to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, he just felt like compelled to do that. Thank God that he did because he ran into the Ethiopian eunuch and led him to Jesus, and that's where the gospel was spread through Africa. He was existentially led by God. What about Acts chapter 13? Another illustration of the leaders there in Acts 13, they're praying together at the church at Antioch. And I don't know that they were thinking about this, but while they were fasting and praying together, God said to them, hey, look, I want you to appoint Barnabas and Paul to be missionaries. And they commissioned them. They were led of the Spirit. There wasn't any Bible verse that said over and second, I hope so, chapter three, you're going to do this on this date and appoint Barnabas. No, they, God does that today. He does that today. He leads us from the confines of Scripture. Now, the question then, number three, okay, yes, he does speak to us. All right? no, no, (laughs) my impressions are not the same thing as the written word. This is the banner under which those impressions take place. But thirdly, how can I know God is speaking to me? How can I know that? (sighs) Boy, I was wrestling with this in June of 2005, big time. Karen and I knew that God was leading us away from Campus Crusade. We had spent 27 years on staff at Campus Crusade, and He was calling me to shepherd and pastor. And there was a number of opportunities, and it came down to three opportunities, fellowship and two other churches. It was one of these situations. It wasn't the difference between, you know, sometimes it's easy to check certain things off the list because it's like it's the difference between A and M. I mean, it ain't even the same deal, or even A and B. I, I never. Karen and I were just looking at each other. It was a difference between A plus A and A minus. But get this, on any given day, that order would change. <laughs> you know. So I just remember we needed to make a decision. And uh, I was scheduled to speak at this Promise Keepers event in North Carolina. This is when they were still doing these large arena things and there were thousands of guys there. And I was sitting out that opening evening in the audience, and I was just seeking God saying, Lord, I, I just, I need you to speak to me. I need you to confirm where do you want us to be. And as I'm praying, you know, the newsboys, this, gospel, this group was contemporary Christian music group, they were up there singing, and I mean, they were doing their thing, and I actually, like, kind of wasn't there. You, you ever, and I, I, was, I was, you know, kind of like in my own world praying. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of their set, I don't know if they did this at every concert or what, but in the middle of their set, the leader stops, and he starts quoting passages from Isaiah. It is as if I was the only person there. And I began to weep. I cannot explain it to you, but I knew at that point that God had called me to Fellowship Bible Church. In fact, during the break, I picked the phone and called Karen, I said, all other options are off the table. Rearview mirrors are gone. We're going to FBC. I know God wants me here. He confirmed that. So what I'm trying to say, say to you is that God does speak. He does confirm things. But, but how do we know? Let me give you, and this is where I'm going to get a little listy here. Let me give you eight indications. First is the confirmation of the Scriptures. I look for that. If there's something on my heart, something on my mind, something that I want to do, some kind of change, I look for an anchor from the Word of God. I pay attention to that. Is it confirmed by the Word? The second thing indicator is the thought or impression won't leave me. Now again, this is, I know this, this might be particularly biographical here because I've learned to be careful with myself because I'll chase down a lot of good ideas. It's the ones that stick with me that I pay attention to. That thought or that idea, that impression um, just won't leave me. Thirdly, if I'm compelled to act, there's something that my will is drawn to do in this regard. I can't, I can't put words around that, but it's just this compelling sense. I've got to do something about this, or I can't stay here any longer, or I'm feeling myself pulled over and this, and it's consistent. Number four, is it confirmed by godly people? Is it confirmed by godly people? Be very careful of always keeping your own counsel. That's a dangerous thing. None of us are purely objective. Is this thought, or this idea, or this what I'm sensing, is it confirmed by godly people, people in my life? Have I bounced it off of them? We live in community with one another. And God's will, more often than not, is affirmed by others who are walking with God. I say more often than not because there are rare occasions where you have to stand alone, but those are very rare. Is it confirmed? Number five. Is it confirmed by circumstances? And notice I put circumstances down the list. Uh, you got to be careful with circumstances a little bit because if you really want to do something, you can kind of like be a historical revisionist. You can make the circumstances say whatever you want them to say. But seriously, if you keep running up into stuff that, you know, there might be a message in this. Yeah, I used to kept running into Karen those early years of college and... I don't know if that was circumstances, but she looked good to me. Um, <laughs> thank God for the circumstances. The next one, is it confirmed by the outcome? Sometimes just pragmatic. Did it work? Or <laughs> it didn't work, well, it may not have been God's will. Is it confirmed by the outcome? And these are not necessarily in order. And the, the seventh one is, you know, the assurance of the Holy Spirit. That's what I experienced in that that arena, June 2005, was the assurance of the Holy Spirit. You you can't put words around that, but you you got this conviction, Romans 8, that you got this conviction in your heart, and you sense the Spirit of God witnessing to your spirit. Yes! This is right. And this last one's gonna surprise you. Peace after obedience. Sometimes the peace doesn't come until the desire to obey comes. When I turn to that, do I feel peace in my my heart? The fourth and the final question is this. Can I learn to hear God's voice? Now, that's, that's a significantly different question than the third question. The third question is, how can I know God is speaking to me? Yeah, there's some things that we, we can do and indicators that we can follow. Now, this is a different question. This really is a different question. This question is, can I learn to hear God's voice? How do I train myself to hear God's voice? I start out by saying God is speaking far more than we are listening. That is true. So, the, the question is not whether or not God wants us to hear his voice. God, God is not speaking mysteriously. God wants to be heard. He wants you to hear him. He wants me to hear him. He has something he wants to say. Now, he may not tell me at the moment there are other character issues. He might want to develop patience in my heart and life and that kind, and that's fine. But God is speaking. Now, before I give you six suggestions about what we need to do to learn how to listen or to hear God's voice, I wanna point to two critical principles that we need to pay attention to. The first principle is this, God is speaking, but we need to be in a place to listen. Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight there is an incredible passage. In verse eight, we spend so much time on that second part of the verse, here my Lord send me, that we miss, we miss the whole impact of what's taking place there. Let me back up a little bit. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this incredible encounter with God. He goes in the temple to mourn the death of King Uzziah. Isaiah had been his prophetic confidant, so to speak. Uzziah died, died a tragic death. As he goes into the temple, God delightfully ambushes him and gives him this vision that would change the course of his life and ministry. He sees the glory of God as never before. He worships, and it's just unbelievable. He comes to grips with his own sinfulness. He says, woe is me, for I am undone, for my lips are unclean, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. And the angel comes and cleanses him and and, and cures him, and and he's made right. Now, notice the line. The opening line of verse 8 says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, in English grammar, that is what is known as a historical present. What's what's the big deal about that? The point is this. God did not just begin to speak when Isaiah got ready. No, God had always been speaking. The issue was not on God's communication. The issue was on Isaiah being able to hear what God had always been saying. God had always been saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? What had to happen was that Isaiah had to get to the place in his walk with God that he could hear him. In other words, he had to declutter his mind and get rid of all the noise in his mind so that he could hear the voice of God. Church, we got too much noise in our lives, too much noise. These smartphones are making us spiritually Dumb. My goodness, we've always got a screen in front of us. And if God doesn't speak in 140 characters, he doesn't have anything to say. Did he post it on my Facebook page? So we've got to get rid of the distraction. That's principle number one. We've got to get to the place where we're going to hear him. And the second principle is that God varies the volume he uses to speak to us. God's not going to say the same thing to you the same way all the time. That's what I mean by that. Classic illustration is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. This is the whole thing of Elijah. Elijah's discouraged, right? Jezebel's coming after him. He's worn out. He's tired. He's you know, self-absorbed, uh, woe is me, discouraged, and he wants to quit. He's having a pity party in chapter 19. Absorbed with what everybody's doing to him. But then God comes to him. And I happen to believe, this is my take, I could be wrong, but I happen to believe that, that this summation in verses 11 through 13 is, is the summation of how God spoke dramatically through I, to, to Elijah But it's as if on this occasion, God says, no, I'm not going to speak that way. There was this great wind, force, but God wasn't in the wind. There was this earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. There was this fire. God wasn't in the fire. But then there was this gentle whisper. It's as if God says, I'm not raising my voice. No Crawford You calm down and listen. I'm not shouting over your mess. I'm not raising my voice. Not this time. You got to get to the place where you can hear me. And you listen to me on my terms. Don't come here demanding me to speak to you in a certain kind of way. I'm God. So, having said that, let me give you these quick six, six, six suggestions. Number one, meet with God consistently. Got to nurture your relationship with God. There's no shortcuts. Chances are, God is not going to be speaking to you a whole lot, or you're not going to be listening to Him if you're not meeting with Him. If you want to enhance your communication in marriage, the first thing I tell couples couple is, they say, well, what's the problem? Well, we have a communications problem. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> Typically, it means you're not spending enough time together. That's what it means. Now, you don't have a communication problem. You have an intimacy problem. You learn to hang out with each other and to love each other, and you start listening with your heart. And I think that's what we need to do. You need to preserve that time. You want God to speak with you, but you don't want to spend but two minutes with him every day. Seriously? So we need to nurture our relationship with him. Meet with him. Meet with God consistently. And hear me on this one. Hear me on this one. Uh, this, this one makes me a little bit nervous. We need to center our time with the Lord on his word. I want to encourage you. Don't, please don't be having quiet times around your favorite movie clip. Watch that. I'm not saying that. I mean, I think they're, they're, you know, that stuff can be enhanced. I, I you know... Whatever's creative, I'm not saying don't, do, don't have that, but be very careful. Be careful of having an untethered imagination when you meet with God. Make sure that a good chunk of your time is governed by biblical truth. Why do you say that? I say that, and I don't have time to go through this, but a number of my friends who've gone off the deep end theologically and this kind of thing, it, it began by them making assumptions about the Bible and this kind of thing, and they, they went in an inward journey, and, you know, they, they saw God in everything and this kind of thing, and they elevated experience to the same level of objective truth. And here's the point. Imagination, apart from the framework of truth, will always lead to error. So spend, make sure that there's a chunk of scripture, there is, there's, your, your time with God is anchored by the truth of God's word. Number three, cultivate the discipline of silence. In other words, make silence and meditation a part of your prayers. I, I happen to think, and I, this is my own experience, and I, I still struggle with this. I got, I got like a hyperactive mind. And I struggle with this, but you've you got to calm your head down. I, I think we talk too much in our devotional times. I, I honestly think, I, I honestly, sometimes i just got too much to say to God. God's like, shh, 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 listen, listen, close your mouth, Crawford, listen. Chew on what you read, sit back in your chair and think about it, be quiet. God, what are, you, what are you saying to me? And then shut up. Listen. Number four, pay attention to those consistent, persistent thoughts and desires. Pay attention to that. I can't tell you the number of times when I've taken a day with the Lord and I left that s- cell phone in the car and I just went in with a Bible and my prayer journal, a yellow pad. I can't tell you the number of times where I haven't come back with any fresh word from God or deep insight or what I'm supposed to do. You know what it usually is? 80% of the time I come back and it's stuff that I've kind of like, He's been saying to me, but I've been too busy to really listen to. And then I want to plead with you to do this. Please do this. Record what you think and sense, write it down. Don't lose that equity. Don't lose those precious moments. God spoke to you. God probably has spoken to you more than you have, you, you, you lost the memory of If you're like me, you know, I, I have a great time with the Lord. If I don't write it down, I'm on to the next thing, and I can't remember. What, what, uh, what did he say? Record it. And the last thing I would suggest to you is what I said earlier. Take what you sense God saying to you and bounce it off with some good prayer partners or people that are walking with God. What do you think about this? And Get some affirmation and confirmation in your heart. Listen, it's, it's not difficult to hear from God. What is hard is disciplining ourselves to hear from God. People who cherish and treasure the Word of God and who are in the Word of God consistently hear God speak to them more often than those who don't. And I'm talking existentially because they take, take their time. Your life is too important not to do that, by the way. What also burdens me is that I, I know that there's a good many of us who are bored to tears with the Bible. As I prayed and wept over our congregation this morning, one of the things I prayed was, Oh God, will you help all of us to treasure the truth of this book? God is speaking. Are we in a place to hear Him? God, we're so busy and we need to confess to you that uh, we're busy a lot of time about the wrong stuff. Please help us. Deliver us from addictions to technology and feeling as if we have got to fill in all the quiet spaces in our hearts and minds or else we're not worth much. God, I pray that we will savor your voice. Long for it, Father. Listen to it. Linger long in your presence. Hear from you. Life is short, Lord, and we don't want to be promoting something that does not reflect your heart and plan for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Some good insights there about how to hear from God. Dr. Crawford Loretz, our speaker on Living a Legacy. Well, as Crawford mentioned, there were many lists of important points in this message, and maybe you weren't able to get them all down. Well, you can hear this message again on our website, or download it for free on your computer, phone, or tablet start with livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. You'll see a link to this two-part message titled How to Hear from God, or look for the mp3 link on the opening page to download it for free. Well, we certainly hope this message was helpful in your understanding about how to hear from God, and if so, please let us know. Your feedback assures us that this program is serving a need in your study of God's Word. You can contact us directly through our email address or click on the contact link in the left column of our website. To email directly, here's the address, legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu, or go to our website, livingalegacy.org. Thank you for letting us know you're there. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.